Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today on this cold, sunny Tuesday morning, Tuesday, December 1st. We have made it to December. It is a new year from the church calendar, so we are officially in the year 2021 for those of you on the church calendar, so congratulations. You have made it through 2020, and we are studying today Amos chapter 8. Uh, we have one more chapter now that we will do on Thursday, Amos chapter 9, and then we will be done with Amos uh, and we'll start a new book of the Bible next Tuesday. So uh, glad to be with you, and thank you for making this part of your day. Uh, for those of you who are joining us live, we are starting an hour early as we have. Uh, uh, we are going to join one of the members of our congregation uh, family as um, they have an online funeral for her mother. So uh, we will be joining that at 10 a.m. So uh, it is 9.30 a.m. on December 1st, and it is good to be with you studying Amos chapter 8. So we begin with verses 1 and 2. This is what the Lord showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. So this powerful image, one, an image that we can all understand, right? We, we all know what it means to have fruit that is ripe, that we know that pretty soon if we don't eat it, we're going to have to throw it away. Right, I, had a, uh, I used to work with someone at Chrysler who would bring bananas in because he would buy bananas by the bushel, right? And then he, the bananas would would get to a point where they're ready to eat, and he would realize that I can't eat all these bananas when they're ripe, and so he would take them around and hand them out so that he didn't have to throw them away. Well, this is the image that God is using of the people of Israel. Basically, you are ripe fruit that is getting ready to be thrown away. So, uh, so God says. To Amos, look and see what you see here. This is this ripe summer fruit, and know that fairly soon this fruit is going to be thrown away. And so the image is that the people of Israel are, are going to be thrown away, that, that God is going to say that I no longer have use for the people of Israel. At one point, you were, you were precious, you were perfect, but because of your actions, I no longer have use for you. So that's what God is saying to the people of Israel, that you are ripe fruit in a bowl that very soon is going to be no longer useful and thrown away. I think this is an image that we can all understand, an image that we can all, uh, we've all been there before. We've all thrown fruit away. We've all had to, right? Because we buy fruit and, and, and it gets ripe and we can't eat it all. And then we have to throw some of it away. So this is the image that God uh, gives to Amos for the people of Israel. Okay. Verses four and five. Why is this fruit going to be thrown away? Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? So Amos returns to a familiar theme, the whole his whole book of the Bible, the whole thing. It's social justice that you trample on the needy. You ruin the poor of the land. You take advantage of those who have less than you. Uh, and so and, and you, you make your money through uh, unjust treatment of the poor, you, you take advantage of the vulnerable, you manipulate people, uh, shame on you. That is why you are like fruit. And then goes on to say that all you want in life is business, right? When will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? When can we get back to business? Because the only thing important in life is business, Right. And so when you have when the only thing that's important in life is business, you have corruption and cheating because you want to do anything you can and you will do anything you can to come out ahead in the business world. God saw it and was angry and said, you are like ripe fruit in a bowl. You are going to be thrown out 
because business is more important to you than than obedience to God, than our relationship. Uh, business is the only thing that's important to you. And shame on you for that. That is what you are doing wrong. And you are using, the, you are taking advantage of the poor. You are taking advantage of the needy. You are manipulating. You are, uh, you are oppressing for the sake of business, right? Basically, corruption and cheating in the business world, right? Taking advantage. I need more money, right? I need more. I need more, so I'm going to take advantage of you is basically what's going on here in Amos chapter 8. I mean, does that happen today in the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, as somebody who's been in the business world working for a, a, you know, a, a Fortune 500 company, you, know, you see how, how the business world corrupts people, right? How the, the desire to get more right, corrupts people. It, it, it consumes people. And, and you say, well, how, how can I... How can I be faithful, faithful to God and be a part of the business world, right? How, and I think those are important questions that we all have to ask. How can I be a member of the business world and yet still be faithful to God? How can I help others? How can I use, how, how can I use what, you know, what, I, what I make, what I earn to help others? How can I, how can I do my job to help others, right? Uh, you know, when you look at the the different missions of businesses, right? What What is the mission of a business? Is the mission of the business to to drive a stock price as high as as, as high as high as it can go? Is the mission of a business to take care of its employees? Is the mission of a business to take care of its customers, right? Because you can't. I, I just don't know how you can do all three very well, right? If if your if your sole goal in life is the stock price, well, you're you're gonna. I mean, you're not gonna take very good care of your employees. You're gonna, you know. You're gonna have mass layoffs, and you're gonna do all sorts of different things. If your sole, if your sole goal in, in in business is to take care of your employees, well, I mean, the stock price isn't gonna be a concern, and and you know maybe maybe you're gonna not not be too concerned about your customers. And if your customers are your only concern, well, then you're definitely going to neglect your employees. Uh, so lots of interesting things here. Uh, the, the the way that the I could go on for hours on this. The way that the business world and business ethics uh, intersects with our faith. Yeah, I think it's an important thing that we do need to talk about. We need to talk about that as people of faith who are active in the business world, uh, understanding that for many centuries, people in the business world have taken advantage of others to get ahead, right? And the Lord sees that and the Lord says, no, 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 no. And so he says to the people of Israel, because you're doing this, you're like ripe fruit in a bowl, ready to be thrown out. And so verse seven, the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. So basically, God is saying, I have seen all the bad things you've done. I've seen it all. And guess what? I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget all the bad things you've done. When I say that I'm going to do these bad things to you, they're going to happen because I will not forget the things that you have done. So that we have to ask the question, does God forget our sins or not? Right, we we as Christians we say that we are forgiven, which means that God moves beyond our sin, that God moves beyond the anger that our sins cause God. But we say, does God will does God remember everything we've done though? I think I think most of us believe that God remembers and God knows every bad thing we've ever done, but God forgives us. Right? God moves beyond the anger. God moves beyond the the desire for vengeance. Right? And God chooses to love us even though that even though God knows all the things we've done. Uh, but Jeremiah thirty one thirty four says, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And so do we have a God who forgives and forgets? 
who says, I will remember their sin no more? Or do we have a God who forgives but knows and remembers? And when we die, we have to account for every bad thing we've ever done. Every time we said a bad word, every time we did a bad thing, every time we told a lie, every time everything, we're going to have to sit and work. We know we're forgiven, but we still have to account for everything we've done. What is it? Because here, surely I will never forget any of their deeds, right? Surely I will never forget any of their sins. Surely I am going to remember. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God does not forget the good works of his people, and he does not forget the evil works of those who reject him. God does not forget the good works of his people, and he does not forget the evil works of those who reject him. So people of faith, God says, I remember their sin no more. Those who reject God, God says, oh, you know what? He does not forget their evil works, their evil works. Now, I think we need to say that there's a difference between evil works and sin, right? There is a difference between evil works and sin. Now, is all sin evil? Well, I mean, that's something we can talk about. Uh, is, is, you know, telling a lie, is that evil? Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, you know, what about a little white lie that hurts nobody? I, and all, there's a, there is a cost for all sin, right? We, we, we should strive to live a life that is above sin. However, there are specific evil works within the world where we, evil works to me are anything that intentionally tries to hurt or harm somebody else, right? Whether you try and hurt them physically, whether you try and hurt them emotionally, whether you try and, and tear them down, whether you take advantage of them, no matter, you know, and so there is evil works where I am going to do something evil, which means I am going to, I am going to try to take advantage of you. I'm going to try to hurt you. I'm going to try to put you down to make you feel less than to whatever. And, and so Hebrews six says, God does not forget the evil works of those who reject him. And so, you know, it's one of those things where as the people of God, the faithful, I think we can rest on Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. But, 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 but verse seven Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. I think that what that does is that's tying up a whole a whole conversation, a whole thing that Amos is saying that that the people of Israel are doing evil works and they have rejected God. And so Hebrews six ten is consistent with that. He does not forget the evil works of those who reject him. And so the people of Israel at that time have rejected God, and therefore God is not going to forget. All right, verses nine through ten. On that day, says the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on all loins and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and at the end of it like a bitter day. So uh, just an interesting kind of vision of what's going to happen. Now, um, what I, what's interesting, I just kind of think, well, I will make the sun go down at noon. I mean, that. It's like an eclipse, right? An eclipse. And so uh, people have actually studied this and they've looked back to see how, were there any eclipses that may have occurred in Amos's lifetime? And scientists are able to tell that. And so uh, they find that there's two eclipses that have been calculated to have occurred in Amos's lifetime, one in 784 BC and the other in 763 BC. So interesting in that, you know, God can use the way the planets line up, right? God can use all of nature to make a point. God can use all of nature to make a point. And when I say all of nature, I mean the, 
of the universe, right? Of creation, all of creation, everything within our, the entire galaxy and universe and all that stuff. God can use it to make a point and, and, and God can use an eclipse to make an point. Now, maybe an eclipse didn't happen. Maybe this is something different. Well, I mean, but, but scientists can say there were two of them, two eclipses in Amos's lifetime, one in 784 and one in 763. What we think would be Amos's lifetime. I mean, you know, these, some of the Old Testament stuff where we're, we're just kind of guessing, but a, a calculated guess, right? Scholarly guess, a pretty good idea. So, okay. Verses 11 through 13. The time is surely coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Oh, this is, this is so powerful. Friends, this is, these are three powerful verses, and I hope, I hope the power of this comes through. But a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse 12, they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, the beautiful young women and the young men shall faint for thirst. Most people think the worst kind of famine is a famine of bread. But Amos reminds us that the worst kind of famine is a famine of hearing the words of the Lord of hearing the, the idea that someone could take away the words of the Lord and what would life be like without them? What would life be like without the Bible? What would life be like without the words of God? Uh, I th- there was a movie a couple of years ago that came out. I think it had Denzel Washington and maybe the book of Eli might've been the name. And basically it was an apocalyptic world where nobody had a Bible but he had a Bible. And because he had the Bible, it was like he was carrying the most precious treasure, right? And you get to the end and they're all trying to get the Bible from him. And they find out that the Bible is in Braille and that he's blind and he's the only one who can read it, right? But to, 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 to take the words of God away from people and the power that the words of God has on people and the ways in which leaders can use the words of God to manipulate people, which is what going back to earlier in the chapter, you know, the, the idea that you use the words of God's to manipulate others instead of using the words of God's to comfort, using the word of God to proclaim the promises of God, using the words of God to proclaim God's will, God's plan, God's love for, for what life can be like, for what the world can be like. Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And Satan saying, I, I see you're hungry. Just turn this bread and uh, just turn this rock into bread and eat something. And Jesus saying, no, uh, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus put bread and the words of God together, right? At the, at the same level, at the same level. If you're watching live, you see my hands are right at the same level or almost. The words of God are just as important as, as food. That the importance of food is not above the words of God. If you could say, you know, that I will give up food as long as I can keep the words of God. It's basically what Jesus said. But, you know, do, do you believe that the words of the Lord are as, as important to you as the food that you eat? The words of God are as important to you as the food that you eat. That's what, that's what Amos is saying, that the people who have it, they're not, they're not taking advantage of it. They're not using the words of God. They're not comforting one another with it. They're not learning from it. They're not, they're not growing in relationship with God with it. And so God's going to take it away. 
God's going to take it away, and your young women and your young men shall faint for thirst, thirst for the word of God. Because once it's gone, once it's gone, you're going to realize how much you miss it, right? And so we are grateful that we have the words of God. I am grateful that I have the words of God, and I hope you are too. I hope that the Bible, the words of God, are something that is important to you. That I mean, I, I can't explain it, but I know that if you pick up the Bible and start reading it, your life changes. I know that. I mean, it's a hundred times out of a hundred. If you pick up and read the Bible, your life will change. One hundred times out of a hundred, that is true, and it will change for the better. It will change for the better. You will, you will find more peace. You will find more joy, because that's what the words of God give. The word of God, the words of God, gives comfort, gives peace, gives joy. The promises of God let us know that we are loved. The promises of God, the words of God, and how important that those words are in our lives and in the lives of disciples for thousands of years, and, and how, how important it is for us to share those words with others, to share the words of God with others. We are, uh, we are willing to share what we have when it comes to food, but Amos is saying that, that food and the words of God are just as important as one another. And so share the words of God as much as you share your food. So uh, let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your words, which have been passed down from generation uh, to generation and finally given to us. We pray that we would be good stewards of those words and pass it down to the next generation. But Lord, as we open these these Bibles, and as we read these words, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Help us to know how much we are loved and what it means to be uh, your follower, what it means to be in relationship with you, and how we can make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me today. Sorry for the change in time, and we will see you all on Thursday as we finish the book of Amos. Have a great day and stay safe.